When my family and I joined the fellowship 37 years ago, the Andrews beat us by a year. <laughs> there were less than 100 members here. And I've been a part of many years of growth and change. And I will admit, it has not always been easy. While I believe deep in my heart that I want the fellowship to be welcoming for all that find their way to our doors, sometimes I know I have resisted the change that comes with being a truly welcoming community for a large congregation. When we built this building, we had many, many, many meetings to dream about what we wanted, who we wanted to be. And while we knew we were ready to move and be welcoming to more people, there were also a few things from the old building that we thought we should bring along with us. And one was the coffee cup rack. Now you can see a picture of the old coffee cup rack in the lobby. There's a picture board and there's one with Chester Banky standing in front of a whole rack of coffee cups. Each of us brought our own cup and hunted on the rack for our use on Sunday mornings. And it was a great disappointment to many of us when the mug rack would not be part of the new building, even though it had been in some of the original designs. After discussion on why this change was made, I began to understand and agreed with the reasoning behind the decision. The practical one was realizing the space needs. I mean, can you imagine a rack with 500 coffee cups hanging on it? But more important, it was the message that it would give to visitors and newcomers. Here was a rack of coffee cups, and they would see people go up and grab a coffee cup and get their coffee. So how did this work? Could I take just any cup? And why did I get that strange look? Did I take someone else's cup? So it actually represented an inside story. The in crowd, they knew all about it. But if you were new or visiting, you were part of the other and didn't understand. It wasn't very welcoming. Now I know this probably sounds pretty minor, but I think that it's often when there's change in the unknown, it's those little things that we end up focusing on without really naming the real issue, the fear of change. For me, I need to remember not to bitch to my friends when things aren't going the way I think they should, but to ask questions and find out why there's been that change. Listen to the reasoning behind it. And I have often found that the change was for the better. Now, I have my perspective on things, on how things should go here. There are parts of the service that I love. There is music that moves me here in the service. But I also realize I am one person and that each of us has our own perspective and the things that we love. And I can't quite understand why, but often they're different from mine. <laughs> so for me, being part of a loving, supportive community is embracing all the ways that we use to meet our needs, wants, and growth. And if it's not the thing that moves me the most, I learn to appreciate it because I know it is for someone else. 
We are in a time of transition and change. And I am asking each of us to take a deep breath and carry on. Please. I need this fellowship to thrive for me. But more importantly, I feel the wider community needs this fellowship to be strong and vibrant and visible. As long as I have been a member here, we have had the opportunity to share our hopes and dreams for this fellowship. Who do we want to be as a community? What do we want to be known as? And one consistent theme has always been that we wish to be welcoming and have a place for anyone who finds meaning in our UU principles. The fellowship actually uses its vision, mission and vision statements. They don't get put on a shelf. They get developed into a plan to decide what kind of programming we need that we've collectively decided on. And we put together a five-year plan. Past five-year plans got us this building, got us the addition, got us a second minister, and got us a director of congregational life. I am not sure what we called Marie's position when we hired her 17 years ago. It possibly it could have been volunteer coordinator. But what I do know, we were very excited to finally have someone that could connect with our members and friends and help each of us find a place here. As we grew, the biggest fear was that we would lose connections with each other. And it was clear our minister could not do all the other things required and also continue to coordinate and support new members, visitors, volunteers, and long-term members. It was also apparent to maintain that welcoming acceptance, to maintain that welcoming acceptance, so many of us felt the first time we walked through those doors, to have someone that held the big picture, that could answer our questions on Sunday morning, and could help us find our place and us, for us to feel connected here. And kind of on a simple note, as a committee chair, it was really nice to have someone to call who could give me a list of names of people that I could ask to be on my committee. I think my friends appreciated it more than I did because I could stop asking them because I now had names of others to call. Some of Marie's most important work here has been in helping people discern their place here and get them connected. And Marie has taken her skills and what she has learned here beyond our walls to the wider UU world. And what a gift that is to the denomination in our world. I will miss Marie, but even more, I will miss her position while we figure out the future fellowship staffing needs. I hope each of us can stay connected in the next months as we do hope and dream about the future that we wish for the fellowship that we use our very best communication skills. We share our thoughts and our ideas and give, give each other, staff and volunteers, a little grace. As Marie moves on to her next adventure, let us work together to maintain and deepen the connections we have and to build new ones so that all that find their way here feel welcomed. May it be so. Thank you for being here today. When I started thinking about what I could possibly say in this sermon, 
I realize that I need to tell you the story of what I found when I first came. Some of you have already heard parts of this because I have shared it at every UU 101 class that I have helped lead over the past 17 years. And prior to that, I shared some of it in an orientation class, the very first class that I took here at the fellowship. I found the fellowship as a seeker, like many of you have been, trying to find a place in the world for who I was, looking for a community of people who have similar values, people to make deep connections with, and a place to learn and grow on my spiritual journey. While I couldn't have articulated any of those things at the time, I did know that I was desperate for social connections. I had recently graduated from college and all of my friends had moved away. I was working for Big Brothers Big Sisters, which was meaningful work, but I only had a few coworkers and they were all in a different life stage than I was. So I was lonely and going through a long situational depression. After about a year of living three blocks from this building and driving by it every day, someone randomly said that I should check it out. Of course, I had no idea what this place actually was, so I Googled it. I landed on the website of the Unitarian Universalist Association, of which our congregation is a part. The UUA is the central organization for the Unitarian Universalist religious movement in the United States, of which there are about a thousand congregations. On the homepage of this website, there was something about gay marriage. This was over 18 years ago, and there was a faith advocating for gay marriage? I had no idea that liberal religion even existed. I didn't go to church growing up, and I was only the only one of my friends who wasn't part of any sort of faith tradition. They all went to CCD on Wednesdays and would occasionally invite me to their youth group or a service. I would also occasionally go to Catholic Mass with my grandparents when we were together. I understood that church and religion was important to these people in my life, but I didn't understand why from my very limited experiences. My childhood was spent outside, both in my hometown of Kenosha, where my friends and I would ride bikes and climb apple trees and walk through the cornfields that surrounded our block, and in the summers when I would spend time in Eagle River with my grandparents. I spent hours watching the lake and the birds off the dock, walking in the woods and going for boat rides. My spirituality was being shaped, but I didn't have the language around it. When I started attending here at the fellowship, I found the community and friendships that I was desperately seeking but I also found my spiritual path. Mary Oliver became my gateway to poetry. Participating in rituals helped me discover the power of being in circle with other people. I learned how to articulate what is meaningful for me 
what feeds me. At the time, I had a lot of free time, so I was able to get involved here in a variety of ways. The three most formative things I did were teaching religious education, joining a covenant group, and participating in social action. Each of these were important in different ways. Teaching religious education, or RE, actually taught me about the religions of the world and just how expansive it means to be a Unitarian Universalist. Two subjects I remember teaching that's, that speaks to this were about Jesus's life story, Jesus as a person, not as a son of God, and the history of the cosmos, neither of which I had had an opportunity to learn much about prior to that, and both of which were really good for me to understand. Teaching Ari was also instrumental in understanding how much I missed as a child not being part of a spiritual community, having a safe space to learn and grow and have adults to turn to when I needed that. Joining a covenant group, or we call them journey groups now, was also incredibly important for my formation here. I was a brand new Unitarian Universalist and honestly, a brand new adult in many ways. In that small group, in my covenant group, I learned how to properly hold space for other people, how to share my story and thoughts in a meaningful way, and that making a commitment to showing up to something, no matter how hard your day has been, is usually always beneficial. These groups forced me to think about and talk about topics that I likely would not have otherwise which expanded my worldview in important ways. And my third formative experience here, social justice. I mentioned before that I had a lot of time on my hands at that stage of my life, and I was so excited to be part of this community. So I said yes to everything without much discernment. I joined the environmental justice team, but I was also asked to lead a racial justice team. I have always felt strongly about racial justice, but I did not have the experience or training needed to lead that team. That leadership position was a dismal failure. Thankfully, I didn't cause harm in my failure other than my own bruised ego. But I did learn a lot from this experience. It helped me understand appropriate asks for leadership development when I later then supported that in my role. And it also taught me that this place is a unique example where we can try and fail and learn and keep going. There are not many places as adults that we get to fail, learn from it, and still be accepted. Within a year of joining as a member, this staff position opened up, and it seemed like the perfect fit for me, and it has been. It was a brand new position for the fellowship, and I was given the autonomy and support to create it and grow it into something that has worked for the fellowship's needs and for what I have been able to offer. I wanna be really clear, though. This congregation, has always had a welcoming, 
and hospitality as a central tenet. For most of our history, this has been a healthy congregation full of people passionate and dedicated to doing the work needed to keep us going and helping people connect more deeply. In my role, I have been able to hone this culture and build a stronger foundation for welcome, engagement, and leadership. But I am so grateful that I didn't have to move a whole culture, which would have been nearly impossible for any one person or even small staff team. You and those who came before you are the reasons why my position has been so successful. Joining the staff after being part of this community as a member had to change my relationship with you all. But this work has filled me in ways that I could never have expected from any job. When my son Nate was born premature, you brought me meals and offered love and support. When I was divorcing, you offered consistency and acceptance. I have been able to help countless people find what I found here. This always life-changing and sometimes life-saving community and faith. Being part of this community, I have been able to articulate my own spiritual path, which exceeds far beyond what I thought were options for me growing up. I now can name that I am a pagan Unitarian Universalist who has a daily meditation and frequent yoga practice. Nate, my son, has found a consistent home here. He has seen both of his parents in leadership roles. He has made relationships with many different adults and youth who express themselves and have different paths than we do. When he came out, the first people he wanted to tell were our Director of Religious Education, Kim Hartman, and former Associate Minister, Reverend Leah Ungiri. Doesn't that say everything to what we can create here? This fellowship will continue to be my spiritual home, and I am staying a deeply committed member. It is an important practice for a long-term staff person to take a break from the congregation before re-engaging as a member. So I will take this next year to allow us both to create a new relationship with each other. It will be hard to be away but I strongly advocate for this break as a healthy transition for everyone. If you see me in the community, and I hope that we will see each other, we can check in about our personal lives, but just not about the fellowship for that period of time. But you might also see me here at one of Nate's events or at a rite of passage. This congregation has been blessed with long ministries for many staff members and ministers and they have been strong. You all support the staff in beautiful ways, and please know that that is a big reason why we have such a strong and healthy community. But this congregation isn't just staff or the ministers, it is all of us together. Everything that I found as a seeker, I found without anyone in my role, without Reverend Dottie Matthews, without Reverend Leah Ongiri, and I know this is the same for many of you. Having these positions and the people in them has strengthened our community in many ways. 
but the professional staff didn't exclusively make this community happen. We all did. Often in these kinds of sermons, there is a charge to the congregation, and I'm sure that anyone who knows me will not be surprised by what I'm going to ask of you. Many of you remember who first welcomed you here. I do, I remember. Uh, but I do know that I was the one for many of you. Please know you can be that for someone else. We will always have our welcomers at the front doors, but I would love for everyone to help with this because I also want this to happen whenever we're in the building, not just Sunday mornings and not when just when someone first enters our doors. So I'm going to give you all a 30-second welcomer training. Newcomers are often the ones who enter the front doors, stop, and look around because they don't know where to go. They might also be at the bulletin board or just generally on the outskirts of the space. Please know they're likely anxious about trying something new out. Remember, when we first came, most of us have never been part of a Unitarian Universalist congregation before, and we do things a little different here than most faith traditions. They also might be carrying some religious trauma or baggage from a prior experience. So introduce yourself to them by saying, I don't believe we have met. If anything lasts beyond me, let this be part of that. Please don't just say, are you new? It's, it's, a, it's, it's not welcoming. Instead, I don't believe we have met, because then they will explain. They will say, oh, that's because I'm new, or I haven't been around for a while, or we just haven't had the opportunity to meet. Ask them to sit with you here in the sanctuary, or ask if they want to get coffee or tea, or just ask them a question about themselves and hear a bit of their story. You can also get them a congregational life guide from the welcome table and introduce them to someone else. More names, more faces, helps people feel connected here. End of training. I also ask you to talk about us. Why is the fellowship important to you? Invite a friend to a service or a class or event. We know that most people find us through word of mouth. And we likely all have a person or two in our lives who could use the community that we have here and it might just change their life. And whatever they bring to us, we need that here too. We know there are a lot of people who haven't come back since the pandemic. Who do you miss seeing here? Reach out and check in. Don't ask where they've been, but how they've been. Ask if they wanna meet here for a service or an event. And if there's something going on in their lives that we should be aware of, please let us know. And if you haven't been around for a while, welcome back. I am so glad you are here today. The pandemic has disrupted our lives in so many ways. And I know that it's been hard for many people to return to some routines, including connecting here. So I invite you to consider re-engaging, maybe for some social connections, maybe for some nourishment. I am deeply connect committed to this congregation. 
We recently found out that our budget is likely not going to allow us to rehire someone for my position. I am doing what I can to leave systems in place to continue the important groups, services, and events that I normally coordinate and support. And we have amazing and strong lay leaders who will help with this, and I am grateful for those who are stepping up in this way. Any loss of staff will make a huge impact on the rest of our staff team who are already overworked in a stressful situation. So if I can make one more plea, I ask you to consider filling out a pledge form if you haven't already, or increasing your pledge if it is within your means to do so. I had reduced my pledge when I first turned it in because of this great unknown that I'm facing with starting up a new business. But now that I know it is so critical, I am reinstating my pledge in full. My pledge, my commitment to this congregation is because I want and I need this fellowship, my spiritual home, to last long into the future. And I ask you to join me. The reading I shared by Mary Oliver ends with these words. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal. To hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes, to let it go. To let it go. Reverend Roger Birchhausen, our senior minister of 24 years, often ended our UU 101 classes with this reading. And I always loved it up here and have had occasional glimpses of its true meaning in the years since I first heard it. But the depth of truth I have felt these words in the last six months have brought me to my knees. I love this community. I have loved my job and I love you. And yet it is time to let what I have built go and grow and evolve in new ways in the world and here with you all. Thank you for everything. Blessed be and go in peace.